0: Hi, my name is Mark Chansky, and I'm the coordinator of the Reformed Baptist Network. And we are here bringing another episode of Net Talk. Net Talk is a podcast where we discuss topics that are related to Reformed Baptist Network's purpose, and that is glorifying God through fellowship and cooperation, and fulfilling the Great Commission to the ends of the earth and The focus will be the book of Ecclesiastes. So really, that's right down the center of the plate when we think about fulfilling the Great Commission to the ends of the earth. And we have with us Dr. Brian Borgman, who is the pastor of Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. Brian, great to have you with us. It's great to be here, Mark. Now, now, Brian, at this time, you are not yet presently a member of RBNet, I kind of give you a wink and a nod on that. I know uh, in our past General Assembly times, you've been off globe trotting throughout the world. But this year, in September of 2024, September 16 through 18, I know that you have it on your calendar to be there with us this time. So we really look forward, Brian, to the prospects of your being there.
1: It's on my calendar, brother.
0: <laughs> all right. And now I even have it uh, taped on the air. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I also know that you told me about your bride, Ariel. that you were watching a, a past pastor's fellowship net talk, and Ariel walked by and she saw all of those pastors who were on that Zoom screen. And she said, hey, those guys, Brian, those are all your friends. She said,
1: where are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. And thus, uh, looking forward to see you there in September in uh, Riverside, California, Robert yeah. Elliott's church Yeah, there, Foreign Baptist Church of Riverside. So uh, also, we think of uh, RBNet. I, I see that you've got some men who are RBNet men who are endorsers of your book. You've got you've got Conrad and Bayway, and you've got uh, Dr. Robert Gonzalez. And you've got Jim Newheiser. So these are R. B. Net men, and <laughs> and certainly when we think of this kind of a commentary, this material, Brian prepares us well, I think, to be like the men of Issachar who, who understood the times and knowing what Israel should do. So, Book of Ecclesiastes certainly sharpens our swords when it comes to seeking to fulfill the Great Commission. So, Brian, let me just dive into. Uh, your your background a little bit. Do, for those of you who don't know Dr. Brian Borgman, he's uh, the founder uh, of founding pastor of Grace Community Church, and that is in Minden, Nevada. He earned a BA in Biblical Studies from Biola University. Also, he has a Master of Divinity from Western Conservative Seminary, that's in Portland, Oregon. And he also has a demon from Westminster Seminary in Escondido, and you've got a THM from our neck of the woods, Brian, a a THM from Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, and that's in historical theology. Now, that's just bare-bones education, but give us a little bio-sketch. To some, it's possible you're a Melchizedek and you got no genealogy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, I was uh, I was born at uh, Beale Air Force Base in Marysville, California. I am uh, a, a fourth-generation Californian. My, um, my dad um, was raised out in the country, and my mom was raised in Sacramento in the city, and they got married, and I was born in 1967. My dad went off to Vietnam. Um, we were, uh, we were Catholic and, um, my mom came to faith in Christ about 1978 or so. My dad came to faith in Christ. Then I was the holdout being very proud of being a Catholic and God finally saved me. And so I, very early on, I felt a sense of, um, devotion and dedication to the Lord's service. Didn't know what it looked like. And so that certainly um, controlled my, my educational choices. And so we moved here in 1993, here, the Carson Valley. You've been here, you know, how beautiful it is. Gorgeous. And uh, we are, uh, I, I'm looking out my window right now. I see snow covered Job's peak, which is about, I think, 11,000 feet elevation and a beautiful place and uh, we moved here in 1993 started uh, grace community church our first official service was march 6th 1994 so we're coming up on our 30th anniversary uh, really in just about a month's time and god has blessed me with a uh, with a wonderful woman Ariel is, uh, she's Wonder Woman. She's, uh, she's Superwoman. She is, she's extraordinary. And, um, and God's blessed us with uh, three children. They're all grown and out of the home. Ashley, who actually is the principal at our Christian school, and then I have two sons, Zach and Alex. And I have, uh, I have six grandchildren. And uh, our youngest is Maeve, who is 11 months old. Hmm. And she is just, she's just a joy. And so I love, I love being a grandpa. It's the best thing ever. I Uh, see that your grandkids, I've (laughs) been with you with your grandkids.
0: They love hanging all over and on Papa.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, they do. And, and I don't mind it for a minute. I love every second of it because that's a vapor too. And so it's going to go by quickly. So I want to enjoy it to, uh, to the maximum. And so God's been very kind to us. Uh, we, we really, we stand in awe of, uh, of God's kindness to us over these 30 years. And I couldn't be happier. I have wonderful co-pastors that are men that really are, are, are bosom friends to me. And uh, we, we labor together so well and just thankful to the Lord for all of his kindness.
0: Yeah, Brian, I've been to Minden and Grace Community Church more than once. And I, I'll say that the boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places. In yeah. fact, there's one element of your bio sketch you neglected. And that has to do with, uh, oh boy, a number of years ago, I was in Zambia teaching hermeneutics to a group of men, and it was during the time when you were having brain surgery, you didn't talk about that, and and these Zambian guys were just pouring out their hearts for you during this time, because even while we were teaching at that very time, you were going through surgery. I mean, there were tears. So, so tell me about that brain surgery element, which I suppose was significant in your comprehending more deeply what Ecclesiastes is all about, a fleeting life, a vapor?
1: Yeah. Yeah, in in 2016 uh there was uh I started to have some significant eyesight problems in my left eye uh, end of 2015 and you know being a typical man I just kept putting off getting it checked and I I thought something was wrong but maybe just old age you know <laughs> just and I I went in and uh, I had a um a pretty large uh mening- geoma tumor right in the center of my brain. And it was, um, about three and a half centimeters by four and a half centimeters by five and a half centimeters. And so that was affecting my sight. It was, uh, the, the tumor itself was wrapped around both carotid arteries. Wow. And, um, and so I underwent, uh, an 11 and a half hour surgery, um, that, uh, you know for me it went by pretty quickly cuz i was out but uh, for my dear wife and family it was uh, it was torture and they um, they removed the tumor they they cut usually my hair is a lot shorter because i start to get it grows weird because of the the incision but i have a scar that goes from here over to here and uh, they literally did take the top of my head off um my wife has pictures And uh, proof that I have a brain, actually, I guess, but, um, (laughs) and, um, and so um, the next day after that surgery, um, I was, I was in tremendous uh, pain. And the next day, uh, my heart actually stopped for about uh, 20, 25 seconds. And uh, they, they resuscitated me. And um, anyway, the recovery was pretty slow. But uh, God was just really, really kind to me, and uh, the only the only side effect that I have is that I can't smell anything, and um, and so I I think that's actually a fairly small price to pay. Uh, the vision in my left eye was restored. They didn't know whether that would happen or not. Uh, had about a what they said, and I don't know how they figure out these percentages, but. They felt that I had probably about a 25% chance of regaining the sight in my left eye. And of course, God was kind and restored that. And, uh, and so God's kindness to me has been um, extraordinary. And brother, I will tell you that it brings me to tears to think about those brothers in Zambia pouring out their heart um, on my behalf. And um, I, I saw Conrad uh, in Bayway about a year after my surgery. And the first thing he said was, let me get a picture and send it back to the friends at back home so that we can uh, I can show them Borgman lives. <laughs> and uh, but just knowing the, the saints were praying, uh, I am incredibly blessed man.
0: You know Brian it just strikes me how the lord needs to use a lot of grinding stone to sharpen his tools the way that he dealt with you the the horror that you went through and and now conrad himself i mean the idea of life is but a breath you see things now in a way that i i, I can't comprehend you you have you have eyesight for stuff that i can't grasp and even the conrad Conrad, whose moans had died at age 32, just a, a month or two ago, you yeah. think of what Conrad sees, and his even making commentary uh, in endorsing your book. Wow, what what the Lord does to make His tools, His swords useful—it's it, staggering to me. Yeah, yeah, Amen. That's so true. So, Brian, let, let, let's move ahead now. Just just writings you've you've written. Uh, Uh, My Heart for Thy Cause, Albert Martin's Theology of Preaching, that's 2002. In fact, I met you about 2000-ish at a bookstore in New Jersey, so about a quarter of a century ago. And then, uh, Faith and—excuse me—Feelings and Faith by Crossway, 2009. Then, The Spiritual Warfare, A Biblical and Balanced Perspective with Rob Ventura, that's RHB. And then, uh, interesting book, 2014, out of Cruciform Press. After They're Yours, The Grace and Grit of Adoption. We won't go into it because we could do another about that theme. Uh, Excellent book. So useful. And then An Exile's Guide to Walking with God, Meditations on Psalm 119. And that was in 2019. But let's let's go now. Great books here. In fact, even I have one that I pulled aside. Uh, uh, Feelings and Faith, just outstanding treatment of a important balancing act. But let, let's go now to uh, Don't Waste Your Breath. Ecclesiastes and the Joy of a Fleeting Life uh, comes out in 2024 uh, by Free Grace Press. Got some additional endorsements there. Uh, Joel Beakey endorsed. I know Bruce Ware, personal friend of yours, uh, he endorsed as well. And I just told you before we started here that I actually went through Ecclesiastes three, four years ago. And uh, by the time I got to the end, I have a couple of dozen commentaries on Ecclesiastes. But I find myself, as I got to the latter chapters in particular, more and more going to find on Sermon Audio with your sermons that you've had available. What does Borgman say about this text? What does Borgman say about this passage? So this this is really fine wine material in fact i understand that you actually first preached it in 2004 and you went through ecclesiastes again in 2022 and 2023 so it's it's the finest of wine now i trust brian
1: (laughs) yeah well i i hope so um jim newheiser in his endorsement said i there was no way for me to write this book 30 years ago i had to go through Um, you know 30 years of ministry and and brain surgery and being a grandparent and marrying and burying and all of that and uh, I really appreciated the comment because I think there is there's a very strong element of truth to that Um, you you bring um, you know when I preached it in 2004 it was uh, it was a very thematically the same but it but the difference in almost 20 years, I would say that the the last um, time that I preached it, it there there was uh say an experiential aspect to it that um that wasn't necessarily present the
0: first time. And Paul Washer wrote the foreword. He writes this, he says, contemporary Christianity, especially in the West, is filled with extremes. On the one hand, there are voices urging believers to live their best life now, almost in disregard of eternity. But then on the other hand, there are those voices admonishing us to put our heads down and look for nothing in this life and mournfully long for heaven. But Borgman sweeps away both extremes by expounding the book of Ecclesiastes. He shows us that we're to relish every good thing as a gift from God, every hardship with hope and its sovereign will, and a way to new heaven and earth with great expectation. And Paul says I'll never look at the book of Ecclesiastes the same way again. And again, you think of even Paul and what he's gone through just in the last few months with open heart surgery himself. Yeah. Life is but a breath. Don't waste your breath.
1: Yeah. 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 Amen. I I was really, um, I was deeply impacted by Paul's response. I had gotten in touch with him and just asked him if he would consider writing the forward. He he Asked me to send it to him. I send it to him, and uh, and and he called me. And it was one of the most humbling phone calls I think um, I've had in in quite a long time because um, the way that he embraced the message um, in in the book um, was was astonishing. He became a very enthusiastic supporter. Ended up serving almost as an editor, sent me back, (laughs) sent me back a copy with notes. And, and, and believe me, I took every one of those suggestions deeply to heart. And so, um, but he, I think that he hits the nail on the head in the sense that, um, that we really have to avoid those extremes. Mm. And, you know, in, in our circles, it's really not so much that um that we're looking for our best life now right because we that that's not where our preaching is it's not where our theology is but we really may have a a a tendency to to downplay this present life and to downplay it in a way that i think ends up dishonoring god um, as the one who's given it to us as a gift to be enjoyed, and so I, um, I I was deeply appreciative of Paul's uh, forward, and um, and of his comments.
0: Well, let's now go to the contents of the book itself. I want to just uh, oh, like like skipping a stone across a river. I want to cross through the contents of your book here. You talk about in the introduction that you had a misty moment, and it had to do with the reality that that my daughter, she was a little little baby who who bumbled about, and and now she's a woman, and 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 life is just a fleeting breath. Uh, talk about that misty moment.
1: Yeah, I think that it's a common experience for for all of us. You hit this, you hit this moment where uh, the weight of how fast life is going by just hits you. And for me, that was uh, in the early 2000s. Ashley was just about to start high school and I, I we were on vacation and I sat there and felt overwhelmed that my little girl was about to start high school. And then I start thinking then then she's going to be in college. Then she's going to get married. And then she's going to have kids and and. I had just uh, my dad's parents had just died just a few years before, and I start thinking, my kids are going to be standing with me as I bury my parents. And then one of these days, their kids are going to stand there as they bury me. and and that that, in a sense, that haunting feeling of where has the time gone? And almost a sense of depression that it's over. Um, it it hit me uh, on that vacation in a way that that really drove me to uh, to dig into Ecclesiastes, and and I knew that I had to dig into Ecclesiastes,
0: but that's sort of a different story. Well, Brian, okay, digging into Ecclesiastes, you call it the black sheep of the Bible. I mean, <laughs> how do you make heads or tails of this? You wrote. I couldn't unravel the mystery. I collected articles and books and commentaries, and I read, and I asked questions, and I read more, but still, the message eluded me. The mystery of the book is wrapped up in so many apparent pessimistic and even contrary statements to what the rest of the Bible says. The book was just a jigsaw puzzle to me. In fact, fact, you even called the book, what? An Indiana Jones Adventure Ride. (laughs) I love the, by the way, I need to say here, I love the colorful way that you expound the scriptures if, if you're looking for some uh bland black and white commentary you 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 buy something else <laughs> but if you want something that's going to be technicolor and is going to uh, probe your imagination and keep you on the edge of your seat like on a adventure ride this is what you got here mm-hmm. yeah so, well, so yeah <laughs> go ahead Brian
1: Oh I was just going to say that the 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 idea of of Ecclesiastes being a difficult book is is very very uh commonly expressed by commentators just across the board and um the uh, uh my own Hebrew prof I think he he called it the uh the the stepchild of the Hebrew canon um you know the black sheep you have all of these these images and and i think that there's a reason why that is true and that is because you read ecclesiastes and there is so much in ecclesiastes that just doesn't sound biblical all right which is amazing because it's a book in the bible and so um so to me uh when some when somebody says oh uh I see you wrote on Ecclesiastes. That's my favorite book of the Bible. Um I I often think that may be your favorite book in the Bible but it's not it's not saying what you think it's saying. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, th- I I think a lot of people uh they they're drawn to what they what uh, uh, appears to be pessimism and cynicism um you know as if somehow uh you know, Solomon is uh, some postmodern, uh, you know, existentialist or something. And it's really, it, it misses the whole point of the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you you talked about your Habel moment, and you said it was a rough ride, but through God's grace, I learned that those years, which seem like days, were not to be mourned because they were over. They were to be celebrated as God's gift to me in this short life. So. You really grabbed the hold of the the heart of what's being said here in this book. It was medicine to you, no doubt?
1: Yes, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, and the thing is, is that this is this is, in a sense, a project that began in my own mind in uh, in the late '90s, uh, even actually before that. And so I kept coming back to the Book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and it was, uh, if if I took a study leave, in fact, uh, one study leave in particular, I loaded up every commentary, put took every journal article that I'd collected, and I went up to that same cabin up in Oregon, and I sat there for a week, and every morning I did the same thing. I read mm-hmm. through the book of Ecclesiastes in one sitting, and mm-hmm. then I would start chipping away at... The introductions and the journal articles and the meaning of Havel and the meaning of chasing the wind and so forth, and uh, and but there was there was an attraction uh, of the uh, in the book to me that uh, even though it was strong, the message is what seemed so elusive to me.
0: Well, well, let's start chipping our way through. I think of the first chapter here where it's entitled "You're So Vain." that you probably thought this chapter was about you. Very catching, Brian. And, and, uh, and you address the issue. like, Okay, uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And then you speak about what that word Havel means. And, and really, it's the same word where Abel, Abel. Abel, who was killed by Cain early on, his life was Brief. He's a was a phantom. He was there and then poof, yeah. he's gone. But but it says it says striving after the wind. That that life is striving after the wind, short, unpredictable, uncontrollable. You mentioned now Ariel said, um, you know, you write down some event on your calendar months ahead of time, and you look forward to it, and you see it every time you open the calendar, you anticipate it, and the event comes and goes, it's over. And all you have left are the memories and maybe some pictures. That's it. Just striving after the wind. Yeah. What's that talking about?
1: Yeah. Well, first I have to give uh, credit where credit is due. My fellow pastor Daniel Corey helped me with some of these chapter titles. He is he is famous or notorious, uh, however you look at it, for coming <laughs> up with some some pretty creative titles. So I had him. Uh, I thought that was probably his best work right there. But um, so, you know, basically what happens when you come to Ecclesiastes is you end up having um, so if you don't mind, let me let me point out two things. All right. So the way that the Hebrew canon is put together is not an accident. Right. So. The way that Proverbs 31 ends is charm is deceitful and beauty is havel Mm. okay so we use a beauty is vain or something like that but beauty is havel that is it's fleeting right um but a woman who fears the lord shall be praised and then the very next book is of course ecclesiastes and it's the words of the preacher and you have vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, or futility, or NIV meaninglessness. And really, what what happens? And uh, and I'm not I'm not alone in this uh, opinion. What happens is the minute that you take the Hebrew word havel and you translate it, vanity, futility, or meaninglessness, you have just cast a shadow. Mm. on the rest of the book Mm. in in a sense that statement right at the very beginning which is repeated verbatim at the end so bookends what ends up happening is if you take it uh, take havel in it's in a negative sense instead of a neutral sense of of vapor or breath yes then then the rest of the book is in a sense under the pall of vanity Right, so so that everything is seen through those lenses. So if you if you look at Havel, instead of being uh, vanity or uh, or or futility, but rather look at it as breath or vapor, um, and then you look at that that thematic statement, right? So so beauty is fleeting, right? And now now you have so beauty is Havel. Then you have Havel of Havels, Havel of Havels, all is Havel. Mm. And and really a very legitimate way to translate that thematic statement, which is, of course, bookended, is uh, breath of breaths, merest of breaths. Mm. Uh, all is a breath. And so, so what happens is uh, once you take Havel in that sense, then it changes the tone of the book Mm. it changes the message of the book Um, and so you know you can talk about how it impacts various passages in particular but in a sense you know as you go through a book as anybody that preaches knows you have the forest of the book and you have the trees of the book and keeping the forest and the trees connected is vitally important and so so far from actually being a pessimistic book about the meaninglessness of life, uh, rather it ends up being quite a positive book, uh, painful, a painful book, mm. but positive mm. um, on the brevity of life. And of course, the idea is, is that the, the pain that we experience in this life is not that it's vain, not that it's meaningless. The pain that we feel in this life is that it's so short. Huh,
0: huh, huh, huh. Well, the next chapter, uh, which addresses really the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, you entitle it Life in the merry Around," round And you hit an interesting point regarding 112 in Ecclesiastes, where it speaks of Kohalet, who was king in Jerusalem. So so who was actually the writer of Koholet? you really all be tipped. <laughs> your hand in this. <laughs> Tell me about that. Who, who is this Kohelet fellow?
1: All right. So first uh, first of all, the Hebrew title of the book is, is Kohelet, um, but the author identifies himself as Kohelet. So the author and the name of the book uh, in Hebrew are the same. Um, the The real issue Ends up being um, the identity of Kohelet. and I would I would say actually even um, even among many reform scholars, the idea that Solomon is the author is um, I don't think is the majority view anymore. Um, in fact, um, even some uh, people that I would consider to be very conservatively reformed mm-hmm. um, don't take Solomon as the author. Um, I think that. Um, the identity of, of Solomon is, is relatively clear by the identity that he was a son of David, he's King in Jerusalem and so forth. Um, The, uh, the defense of Solomon as author is, has been, you know, ably done by, I mean, Gleason Archer over 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so, um, I actually take uh, Walt Kaiser's position that that the Book of Kohelet or Ecclesiastes represents Solomon in his in his old age, mature reflection, and um, and and probably from a position of uh, of repentance.
0: Yeah, that that's that's a helpful anchor for interpreting because you go into the next chapter, chapter two. Your title there is. Good gifts make bad gods. And that would mean, as he talks about, I sought out pleasure, laughter, houses, vineyards, gardens, slaves, silver, gold, concubines. You would say that's kind of autobiographical.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that what happens is, at the very beginning of the book, you end up having this statement, and sometimes it's overlooked, um, but solomon asks what advantage does a man have in all of his work which he does under the sun Mm -hmm. and that ends up being in a sense sort of the controlling question that comes up in the book again and again so that word uh, what advantage the idea is what's left over Mm -hmm. and so so i think that what happens mark is that is that the brevity of life deeply impacts uh cohelet right he realizes everything's a mere breath but you look at life and you and you realize you spend the majority of your life and indeed the prime of your life working huh. so here you have this breath of a life you spend the majority of it toiling and solomon wants to know so what's left over if it's just a breath and you spend the prime working so hard what's left over when you're done Mm. And so, in a sense, this sets him on this investigative journey. And in in one sense, he's he's asking, is there a way to mitigate Havel? Is there is there a way to mitigate, more accurately, maybe the pain of Havel? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, is there a way to sort of maximize to make sure that what I'm doing in this life. Actually, means something, and so I think those two things kind of run side by side. And so when you get to chapter two, and you sort of get this, uh, that that is another Daniel Corey title, by the way, uh, "Good Gifts Make Bad Gods." I think that um, when Solomon gets to chapter two, what is he trying to do? He's at, he's trying to build monuments to himself. He's trying to build things that actually just like, hey, Solomon was here. And he's also trying to maximize, um, in a sense, pleasure to, uh, in some ways, mitigate the pain of Havel. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, let's face it in our culture, we see those very dynamics at work all the time. We try to prolong youth as long as possible, we try to prolong our manhood as long as possible, we try to put off getting old um we we try to make our mark i mean all of these things solomon actually just had all of the the resources to do it in spades and um and so i would say that at the end of that that first journey so i liken the book to this um this indiana jones ride which is absolutely uh just torture Right, because it jerks you left, it stops, there's halts and fits and all of this, and you know you throw out your back and you herniate discs, and you you know it's just it's one of those. And I I see Solomon doing the same thing, because in order to grasp the message, it, it's as if you've got to be grabbed by the by the nape of the neck, yeah, and dragged along, in order to feel the depth of what solomon feels in a sense to go through the journey with all the bumps and the bruises so that you come to actually appreciate
0: his answer oh yeah so and by by the end of that chapter what 211 vanity striving after the wind you even quoted you too but i still haven't found what i'm looking for yes (laughs) and then he says and he says in 16 Ha! Huh. Wise men and fools—they die like really yeah. despair yeah. because there, yeah. there's there's nothing yeah. if you really are looking for the ultimate purpose right. in right. life alone. It's broken sisters that can't hold water. Or not going to satisfy. Okay, so so on to then the third chapter. Uh, there's an appointed time for everything under the sun. There is an appointed event. In fact, there you even quote. Uh, the Birds in 1965, how popular, really, Ecclesiastes yeah. 3 is. Turn, turn, turn. And then yeah. even Ray Stevens in 1970, you said, everything <laughs> is beautiful. Boy, you're, you're, you're singing my song. You're killing me softly. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, um, I can't uh, help it. I even quote Prince at one point. But anyway. Um, now, this I think... is a
0: colorful commentary. <laughs>
1: I think that uh, when you get to the end of chapter two, it actually is a is a segue. So there's a conclusion at chapter two, and that is, um, and and this would just be my 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 paraphrase of it. Um, and that is, so after Solomon just says, "Okay, I hated life," um, you, you have to understand that if if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to mitigate the pain of Havel and do something that lasts you are not going to actually be content because you're looking at life as an achievement, not as a gift. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of chapter two, Solomon's uh, acknowledgement is, so life is a gift. I can't figure it out, but it's a gift. And so what do you do? You enjoy the gift. If you want to honor God, enjoy the gift. So then as he transitions into chapter three, you have, of course, that famous poem where you have that series of couplets, but it begins with, there's an appointed time for every event under heaven, which is a declaration of God's comprehensive sovereignty over life. And then when he gives these couplets, in a sense, these couplets are serving to, um, uh, to encompass the totality of life. Right. Time to be born, time to die. So from cradle to grave, God's appointed every event. Uh, And then as he goes through. There's this there's this um, there's this powerful sense. This is not these aren't marching orders. Right. Um, Time to, uh, you know, a time to uh, love and a time to hate. These aren't marching orders. These are just the realities of the vicissitudes of life that are Mm -hmm. under God's sovereign control. And so what Solomon then does is he then, in a sense, transitions in in nine through eleven, and, and and he he brings some things together for us. That is, we know that God is absolutely sovereign over all the events of life.
0: He's the timekeeper, right? He's
1: the timekeeper, he's the he's the appointment maker. And then after that. Solomon is is absolutely clear that that God's put eternity in our hearts. So what we know innately as image bearers is that God really is making all things beautiful in his time, right? But here's the problem. You have that knowledge, but you don't have the knowledge of how God is doing that. Uh. So, he's given you the innate sense that there is purpose, there is meaning, he is sovereign over everything. There is an innate sense of an eternal purpose and plan of God, but God's not given you the ability to know what it is. And so, Solomon's uh, remedy to us for us in that sense is you, you trust God with the outcome and go do your work. Eat your bread, drink your wine, love your wife. That's the reward. Trust God with the stuff you don't know. Enjoy the stuff that He's given you, and in doing so, um, you you honor and glorify Him.
0: Even though we look at this life and there are just these pieces of the jigsaw puzzle laying out on the table, and like you say, I can't I can't fit these things together. But you're saying, look, go to sleep and rest because there is a timekeeper. He's appointing everything. And all the train is going to come into the station at the right time. Every every part's going to fit. And then you go, well, the, the fifth chapter of yours, which is the third and end of the fourth, it's called The Gathering Storm. And there are these vexing observations in history. But the, these pieces don't fit. There's injustice. There, there's oppression. I even think of... Uh, Oh, like uh, 319. And in fact, even, explain this one to me, Dr. Brian. How can this, uh, now now you see why it's the stepchild of the Bible. Listen to this. The fate of the sons of men and of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, man has no advantage over beasts. All go to one place. All are the dust, and to dust we're going to return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down. So I saw nothing better and men should rejoice in his work so explain that brian that those crazy <laughs> statements that are almost blasphemous
1: yeah yeah they're uh they're stunning i think sometimes um we don't we don't ponder them enough we take it at at, at the surface so so what solomon starts to do at the end of chapter three the end into 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 four is he's so if if life is under God's sovereign control and God's making all things beautiful and you're to enjoy the gifts while you have them. There are things in this life that actually seem to either threaten the beauty of God's plan uh, or seem to undermine the enjoyment of his gifts, all right? And of course for Solomon, death is gonna be the biggest one, right? because in a sense death is is what makes havel havel right death is what makes life a breath because it comes and you know it comes when we don't expect it so at the end it's kind of interesting because this is uh, the the way that we the way that we read this i would say that on the one hand what solomon's doing in that passage that you read is he's bemoaning the fact that here we are, uh, in a sense, the kings of God's creation, right? The 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 majesty of man, um, and yet we die, and we die like dogs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, there is there is no romanticizing death in Ecclesiastes. Death is seen in its in its ugly intruder uh uh, descriptions it is something that happens to us and um now when here's the interesting part is when he says who knows that the breath of man ascends upward and the breath of the beast descends downward to the earth i don't take i don't take solomon to be making some sort of agnostic statement as to Uh, Well, I mean, who knows, you know, Um, who knows where man goes, who knows where the dog goes. Um, I think that the question is actually far more intentional. And that is in in light of the fact that we die just like beasts. Who even spends time considering where we go? Hmm. Right. Hmm. So it so instead of it being an agnostic statement, it is in a sense, a diagnostic statement of of we don't even here's death death is a reality we die just like the beasts and yet who even stops to consider whether their spirit goes back to god
0: yeah brian what is it with these there's almost a a jekyll and hyde element to the pen of koholet uh is, is it a, like Jim Sebastio once said to me, he uses this as a counseling technique. He would say to people, what do you feel at your worst moment? And is there a sense in which there are times when the writer of Ecclesiastes comes out and he expresses what he feels at his worst moment? Yeah. And then he gives us another voice that is composing and is balancing and is truth telling. Yeah. Is that the way it works? I would, I would. Generally,
1: yes. So on the one hand, what I want to avoid is looking at the book of Ecclesiastes as if it's some sort of uh, dialectical conversation uh, that Solomon's having with himself or with uh, an objector that is somehow uh, this back and forth between, let's say, faith and unbelief or something like that. Uh, there there are a number of sort of dialectical models of looking at Ecclesiastes. And uh, th- I think that that's, in terms of an interpretive tool, I think that's problematic. I think that what you do see is Solomon multiple times will say, I set my mind to to investigate this. I set my heart to understand. And so you have on the one hand, you have in a sense cohelet the investigator right he is he has just as much angst about the issues of life as we do and he's going to dig in huh. and then you have and then you have cohelet as he as he reflects yes and and so in so so that's not really in a sense sort of a a, a dialectic of of sort of uh, an antithesis between uh, cynicism and and belief or something like that rather it is uh sort of the honest uh investigation of somebody that's genuinely trying to deal with life as a breath um what's what's left over what's the point of work and as he does that he does express like he says in chapter two twice so i hated life Like mm-hmm. right? well i mean who says that right like what <laughs> what inspired writer says that well kohelet does um and so i would say that you have kohelet the investigator and kohelet the the, uh, the the one who reflects yeah and and it's it's in those moments when when he says uh you know so go and and eat your bread and and enjoy this life that god's given you in a sense that is that's the piety of kohelet coming through right so far from being a secularist far from being a worldly person um which which actually brings us to something that i think is so valuable and that is real spirituality or genuine piety has an earthiness to it mm. okay
0: Yeah, I think of uh, let's just skip ahead then. Our, our time is man, Brian. This is so enjoyable, but the clock is is racing. But let's let's hit some ninth chapter. You you referred to the idea of enjoying life. Nine nine. It says, enjoy life, and you talk about the earthy nature of life. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he's given you under the sun, because that's your portion in life and your toil which you toil under the sun. And you, you make this comment. Romance, sexual intimacy, and companionship in marriage are supposed to be among the most exquisite delights in this short blip-on-the-screen life. He's telling us that marriage brings a sweetness to this short life. Marriage is an elixir in our death row cell under the sun. Bam! Tell us about mm-hmm. that.
1: All right. Well, uh, frankly, chapter nine, I think, has got to be my my favorite chapter. And uh I'll say uh just first, nine nine in the way that you read it, right? In this vain life, to me, nine nine actually is one of the clearest texts that tell us that Havel is not vain, it's fleeting, Mm -hmm. right? Because so fleeting makes Mm. way better sense in nine nine than vain. But here's here's the the beauty of it is that is that marriage as 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 a gift from God is meant to be absolutely enjoyed to the glory of God, mm-hmm. and um, when I li- when I think of of Ecclesiastes nine nine in particular, I think of glorifying god by um so last year my wife and i uh you know you know brother steve watkins over there near santa cruz yes yes right and uh yeah he had me uh go over and and preach for him and he told me he says you've got to go to this restaurant it's right there on the bay and so we got a we got a, a window seat And I have a, a, I always take pictures of Ariel when we're eating dinner. And so she humors me for at least three or four. But if I get to the fifth, then it's, you know, then I get a look. But um, I have a picture of her and she is just staring out the window at the beauty of, of the ocean. That's just right there. And as I took that picture I thought to myself, Ecclesiastes nine. here mm. I am with the, the wife whom I love, the wife that God's given me, mm. and mm. here we are eating a delicious meal, looking out at the ocean, and this this, it's a vapor, we're going to pay the check and go home, right, but what a gift, Mm. And, you know, and brother, one of the one of the burdens that I have is that is that people that would read read this book, that they would actually stop and think. This life is, in fact, just a mere breath. Mm. Why in the world would I want to waste it being an angry person? Uh Why would I want to waste it having having a miserable marriage? why would i want to waste it by by being consumed with making more and more money Mm. Um, and so to to take those to take those moments that are just fleeting and just to say so this is an elixir of life and so i i use the term in your death row cell under the sun that's sort of the imagery so under the sun life is just life all right but Mm. you know you're going to die so it is existence in a death row cell. But even then, there is still joy that God gives us. And, mm. um, and I know that there are a lot of people, they have miserable marriages, for instance. And, mm. um, and you think to yourself, you are, you are robbing yourselves of precious, fleeting years that you will never get back. And so, glorify God by enjoying the gift that He gave you.
0: Amen. Wow, that's so good. And then, and then the, the next verse says, "So, regarding the brevity of life, which is it's it's fleeting, whatever your hand finds to do, then do it with all your might. For there's no planning, activity, wisdom, or knowledge in Sheol where you're going. So, so Brian, if you wake up from that surgery." and you still got your wits about you, you realize that I only have a brief time here. I yeah. got to do stuff with my time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I think that there's, there's a sense where Kohelet comes back to the fact that you're going to die, and he comes back to it again and again. And it's not to bum us out. It's actually to give us, in a sense, a focused zeal that i i really only have so much time Mm. and um you know it part of that time yeah we need to rest part of that time yes we need to recreate part of that time we need to just enjoy you know the the steak and the baked potato um but there is also a wonderful sense where we can have a, a very godward earnestness in the way that we take up the tasks that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so for me, yeah, brain surgery and my heart stopping the next day. Y- you talk about, you know, imprinting on your, on your mind, okay, life is short. What, what are you going to do? You've been here 30 years. What are you going to do? How much time God gives me? I don't know. But I want to make the most of it. I want to mm. make the most of it. And at the end of the day, it's the people that make the most of it that one, the time goes by faster for them, mm. okay? But they also enjoy it better. Mm. Sometimes I yeah. jokingly will say, if you if you want to make time go by slower, just be a miserable person, right? <laughs> Misery slows down the clock. Um, joy and earnestness and zeal speeds it up, but that's far, a far better way to live.
0: Yeah, because real fast, we find that the watchmen tremble, the mighty men stoop, the grinders cease because they are few. It's referring to uh, our arms trembling, our our legs bowing, and you, the grinders become, you, you're right, the tooth population is declining and the remaining survivors are less active. <laughs> we're, we're, we're diminishing. You, you quote uh, Daniel Frederick. He says, the imagery is of an ended life that is brutal and final, and then those... Later verses which talk about the well smashing, he says, Life is removed, smashed, broken, crushed, done.
1: Painful Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, not only does, does Solomon not romanticize death in any way, huh. he does not romanticize old age. Hmm. I mean, he, and in a sense, it is, it is the, um, let's just say, the unpleasantries or the horrors of old age that should compel us to actually know our creator in the days of our youth Mm -hmm. because when if if we don't if we don't know god if we don't fear god in the days of our youth we get to those days and those days are consumed with pain and doctor's appointments and failing health and, um, you know, in a sense, brother, um, the, the only way to go through that, uh, that painful period
0: mm-hmm. is to have your
1: heart anchored
0: in the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So the finale is, when all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And you write at the end, you say... Obey his call to enjoy this fleeting life. Obey his call to trust him. Obey his call to submit to him in all humility. Obey his call to receive this short breath of life as a gift. And keep in mind his majesty, sovereignty, mercy, might, and holiness. Your anchor in the midst is the character of God, even when what he is doing is veiled with mystery.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I i you know i can't uh, i can't really say a whole lot more than than that i mean i think that that's a, a summation and it is it's i i remember i remember years ago um pastor albert martin talking about ballast for the soul mm. and he uses the illustration i'm sure you remember this um uses the illustration of how they'd put barrels of, of water in the holes of a ship to give it ballast. Right. Mm. And in a sense, it is that fear God and keep his commandments. Mm. This is this, this is the sum or the duty of everyone. However you take that last phrase, it, mm. it, it makes it very clear. This is, this is the sum total of what your life is ultimately to be about. And that is what in fact gives you ballast for your soul uh, in the storms of life, um, in the fog when you can't see what's ah. in front of you. Um, and, and, but you need that ballast, uh, you know, or else, uh, or else you're, you'll sink. And I know you and I both have seen people that enter into old age and, um, some of them just continue to, to have the blossoms of grace mm. in their life and, um, and others, um, become bitter and become mm. hardened. Um, and, you know, someone said, old age is not for sissies. Mm. And uh, I think Kohelet would have said, amen and amen.
0: Yeah, and even the fear God and keep his commandments. Think of the first John three, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. You know, like you say, that that will make us, Men of Issachar, understanding the times, knowing what Israel should do. Man, Brian, this has been great. Let, let, let's shut it down, but I, I just take up and read. This is a is a great book. I think it's going to be a, a, a classic library friend for decades and God willing centuries to come, if he would tarry. Thank you, Brian. Blessings to you and Ariel and your family and your church. Well, thank you, brother.
1: Same to you.